we've spent the last, I believe it's four weeks, um, addressing the kingdom of heaven. Maybe it's the last three weeks. And um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into exactly what Jesus said. And if, if you've ever read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even John, but especially those first three, you remember that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like... Do you, do you ever remember that? The kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'd give a parable. He'd give a story. And um, so what we're going to do is jump into some of those, not all of those, but some of those, the kingdom of heaven is like stories and, uh, or parables, and glean from them how the kingdom of heaven works. You see, if you can know how the kingdom of heaven works, then you'll be able to get the results that you're looking to get. How many of you wish that you got more results from heaven? All right? Yeah, I'm sure everybody would raise their hand. Don't, don't be shy. We all want results. We'd like to do A, B, and C and get D as a result. And if we understand how the kingdom of heaven operates, then we should be able to very consistently get the results that we're looking for. Uh, it's not dissimilar to Tito. He's a, he's a diesel engine mechanic amongst many other talents that he has. And, you know, he knows how that engine works, and he knows that if he fixes this, then he can expect consistently the engine to operate correctly. And, and that's, that's how we should be with the kingdom of heaven. My concern about me and therefore about you, is that oftentimes we don't know how the kingdom of heaven works. And so we're left clueless and wondering, why didn't it, I prayed, why didn't anything happen? <laughs> I did what I thought the Bible told me to do, and it didn't work. What happened? And so um, from looking at these parables, I want to share with you some insights that I've gotten just very recently of how the kingdom of heaven works. So let's look at this. Uh, I'm going to read you some scriptures, and then we'll pray after that. So we're looking for principles of the kingdom of heaven, secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Look at Mark 4, 26 through verse 29, just three verses. And here Jesus uh, addresses what the kingdom of heaven is like. Mark 4, 26, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You get it? There it is. The kingdom of heaven is like a man scatters seeds on the ground. So... A plant, a planter, a farmer scatters seeds, verse 27, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. So the farmer is almost inconsequential after that. Yes, he kind of waters and protects and whatever, but he didn't play that much of a part after that. The thing just grows by itself. And uh, look at Isaiah. The thing just grows by itself. <laughs> Isaiah is what, six. I don't know how long. Anyways, and he's not a thing. He's a guy, but he's big, all right? And Tito at one point was going through that kind of growth spurt, all right? It just grows by itself, all right? Uh, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The farmer doesn't know how. All he knows is he put a seed in the ground, and it kind of pretty much just happened by itself after that. And Jesus is saying, this is how the kingdom of heaven is. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. 
Praise God. We're always praying. You're going to get this several times a day. We're always praying for the harvest, and we haven't even sown the seed. And we're wondering, why didn't it work, God? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Because you didn't sow the seed, or you didn't receive the seed to be sown inside of you. All right? We're always running to the harvest, but we haven't taken the steps up to the harvest to get the harvest, to get the answered prayer, to see the success, to see the prosperity that we want to see in our families and ourselves, in our health, what have you. So now look at Matthew 13. So the first, the kingdom of heaven is like story, was a plant story. All right? So let's go to Matthew 13, 24 and the following verses. And we'll find that the kingdom of heaven is described similarly once again. Jesus told them another parable. Listen to this. The kingdom of heaven is like. (laughs) Here it is again. All right. It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. He sowed good seed in his field. But everyone, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. In other words, he hid himself. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't we sow good seed in your field? Then where did these weeds come from? Have you ever seen weeds in your life? You wish they weren't there? He's like, where did that come from? I'm a Christian. How... Why, why did I just spout off that foul language just then? Has that ever happened to you before? It happened to me. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know, why did I slip and say this? Why did I slip and do that? Why did I look at that when I shouldn't have? You say, what, where do these weeds come from? The owner replied, an enemy did this. Wow, an enemy did this inside of me. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, the owner answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot some of the wheat as well. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first go collect the weeds, tie them in a bundle to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. So if you skip down into verse 36, if I'm not mistaken, um, Jesus begins to explain this one parable to his disciples. In verse 37, he explains it. He says, the one who sowed the good seed, who do you guess, would guess that is? The son of man, Jesus. He's sowing that good seed. The field is the world. Now, I want you to let that stick in your mind. The field is the world. Because there's other parables where Jesus speaks of fields and bodies of water. That's the world in almost every single one of these examples. All right, the field is the world, so remember that. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. Hey, that's you and me, the believers. We're not perfect, right? Brother Jimmy says that all the time. We're not perfect, but we're the believers. We're the Christians. We're the ones that God has done a work in, and we've cooperated with God in that good work. All right? So the good seed is the, is the people of the kingdom. Hey, you and me, we're people of the kingdom. And if you've missed the last four or five, three or four sermons, I challenge you to get on the Internet to our website and listen to those so that you can un- begin to understand what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It's a powerful concept. It's something we should uh, always be thinking about it because in our kingdom there's a king, and that's the King Jesus. The weeds are the people of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. Boy, this should be a warning to us all. Hell is a real place. (laughs) Punishment is not for now, it's for later, but we want to avoid that eternal punishment at all costs. Uh, Verse 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very graphic, very descriptive there of what it's going to be like in, in, in the future for those who refuse God. In verse 43, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I hope that's you. I hope that's me. I hope we're listening. I hope we're taking this seriously. All right? Now, so that's, that's the second parable about the kingdom of heaven is like. And then if we go back to verse 31, because I skipped that, Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like. And he gives another plant example, a mustard seed. Now, if you've gone to church any length of time, you know that a mustard seed is very small. If you haven't gone to church very long and you don't know anything about plant life, a mustard seed is very small. (laughs) It's really tiny. All right? I've seen them before. And that tiny little seed, whenever it's planted, uh, this man took, he planted this mustard seed in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. This tiny little itty-bitty seed grows into something very large, so large uh, that it becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. All right, Lord Jesus, we just pray that your word would speak to us today, that revelation from heaven would come to us in our minds and our hearts today, that we would see things from your perspective like we've never seen them before, oh God. Lord, that the principles of the kingdom of heaven would become clear to us so that we might begin to apply them and get the results that you want and certainly that we want as well. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. Amen. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like a plant. All right, we saw it three different times. The kingdom of heaven is, the, is like the life cycle of any plant, all right? And Jesus gave us examples. And so there's three steps to planting. You have to have the faith that that seed that you plant is actually going to turn into something. So you have to have the faith to plant your seed. The second thing, you have to have the patience to see that plant grow. It takes time to grow. It just does. There's no two ways around it. We're into microwaving, and God is into marinating. It takes time. We've got to wait for God. All right, so it takes faith to plant, patience to grow, and then listen to this. This is going to shock some of us. It takes sacrifice to harvest. It takes sacrifice because, you know, the harvest is not for you. It's not for me. The harvest is for God. So he takes our fruit off of our branches and in fact, we can take all that fruit off of our branches, the good things that happens in our lives, and say, here, Jesus, I give them to you. We all want that harvest because we're thinking it's for us, but that harvest is for God. All right? So we have to have faith to plant. We've got to have patience for it to grow. And we've got to have that sacrifice, that, 
that, that idea, that concept of sacrifice of the harvest back to God. But what I'd like to do today is spend time on planting. Spend time on planting. So often, and I've already said this once, and I'll probably say it three more times, we want the harvest. We want the harvest. And we look at the ground, and nothing's coming up. No fruit, and we wonder what's wrong. You know what's wrong? We didn't plant the seed. We didn't plant the seed. We, we didn't start off on the right foot. And it's time for us to start planting the seed because nothing will ever come out until we plant the seed. And I want to associate two terms today. Planting is receiving. Planting is simply receiving something from God. Receiving a seed in its spiritual form. It comes to us in a seed and gets planted in our heart. And only until that time happens will we ever see fruitfulness in our life. You want to see a success in your life? You want to be a success? You want to prosper? Let God begin to drop spiritual seeds into your heart. And so planting is receiving. Do I go and grab some seed and throw it into my own life? Well, maybe in some respects I do by reading my Bible. But at the end of the day, God himself has to take a seed, a spiritual seed, and I have to receive that seed. I have to receive it. If I've got a closed, hard heart, that seed isn't going to get into my heart. I won't grow, and I won't have anything to give back to God. (laughs) All right? I've got to receive from the Lord. And what does it take to plant a seed? Well, you've got to dig a little bit of a hole, maybe a big hole in in good, good ground, and you've got to put that seed in there. So the seed comes from an external place, a hole, an open hole, put it in there, and then I've got to cover that, and that seed becomes part of the ground. God's seed to you becomes part of your life. It starts putting out roots, and you can't distinguish the truth of God from who you are because it's in you, and it becomes who you are. That's what we want. All right, so an open space, a seed from an outside source, and it's got to remain in that ground for it to grow. All right, so you know in Acts, and I might get this backwards, it says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Did I say that right? All right. Did you know that God can give you visions and he can give you dreams? He really can, and he will, and he probably has for many of us. So when I tell you my experience, I don't, think, I don't want you to think I'm weird, okay? I don't want you to think, oh, okay, Steve's going off the deep end. No, the Bible says that he will give us visions, and he'll give us dreams, so I want to give you mine. About a week, a week and a half ago, I was in a wonderful sleep in the middle of the night, <laughs> and God spoke to me as I was asleep. And I'll be just totally honest with you. And he spoke to me this, or he said this to me, uh, Steve, you can't receive if you're feeling condemned. You can't receive if you're under that condemnation. And so I finished out my wonderful night of sleep. (laughs) And as I was waking up, this picture, and God speaks to me many times in this, this manner. Now, you always, let me tell you what. If you have a vision, a dream, the first thing you do is you find it in the Bible. Never, ever take a, oh, God showed me this, that, and the other. Well, if it's totally contrary to God's word, we don't want any part of that. We want something that lines up with the word of God. And so, anyways, as I'm waking up from this sleep, I had this picture. I'll just be honest with you. It was a picture of a flower 
that was wide open, like a sunflower kind of sort of, I guess, a sunflower. And it was wide open, and I saw God's hand just come and drop a seed right into the opening of that flower because it was wide open. And as I woke up, I, was, I had that understanding. You've got to prepare your heart to receive You've got to prepare your heart to receive. If your heart's shut because you feel condemned, nothing can get into your heart from God. It can pour over you. If I had a pitcher of water, I, would, I was thinking of having a, a, a cup turned upside down. You can pour that water. It'll pour over the cup, but that cup won't retain anything, any of that water. Whereas if you turn that cup over and you say, God, I want to receive He pours it into that open space, and then you can retain what God gives you. And so we have got to prepare our hearts to receive. We've got to have an open heart, not a closed heart. What can can shut your heart up? Well, I've already mentioned one thing. When you feel condemned for the things that you've done, you cannot receive anything from God because your heart's shut tight because you feel so bad about yourself. All right, we've got to prepare our heart to, to receive. I found the scripture because I struggle with condemnation. If I were to ask you to wave your hand at me, do you struggle with condemnation and regrets and shame and all? I guarantee you, every single one of us, we would raise our hand and say, Steve, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have messed up so many times. There's things I've done 20 years ago that I, f- I feel condemned about whenever I think about them. Some of them are relatively small and minor. Some of them are very big. But listen to this scripture about condemnation. In Proverbs 17, 15, and I, I jot this one down so that you can read it this week and, and meditate on it. But Proverbs 17, 15 says, acquitting the guilty or, and the Bible doesn't say or, it says and, but I want you to think about this this way. Acquitting the guilty or condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. The Lord detests them both. So if you go up to a person who's, bribing people and scandalous and and doing all kinds of bad stuff. He's corrupt. And you say, you're a good guy. You're you're a good person. God hates that. When you you call a bad person a good person or when you call a bad situation a good situation, in fact, the the King James says he uh, he abhors it, I believe is the word. He abhors it. He detests it. Conversely, if we call something that's been made righteous and we condemn it and we say it's bad, God detests that just as much. You and I as believers, we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we condemn ourselves, God detests that. Think about that for a while. That spoke to me. All right. I cannot afford to be walking around condemned when Jesus was made sin for me. And I am called the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. All right? So we need to walk around as kingdom people. People who've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as soon as I start having that mindset, my heart just opens right up to the Lord. He opens my heart right up to the Lord so that I can begin to receive. Well, what are some other things that might shut my heart to God? What are, what are some things? Well, um, fear. 
Fear can shut your heart to God so that you don't receive. And if you don't receive, you don't grow. And if you don't grow, you don't produce anything for God. Fear can absolutely shut your heart to the Lord. That's why in the Bible, hundreds of times, God said, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And Jesus asked his disciples, why are you so afraid? Stop being fearful. My perfect love, God says, my perfect love drives out all your fear. All your fear. But if you're a fearful person, and we all are in some form or fashion, it shuts your heart to the Lord and you can't receive anything from him. Let me, let me read you this scripture. This, is, this blew my mind. I've read this scripture so many times, and for the first time I saw something I've never seen before. It's in James 1, 5 through 7. It says, if any of you, any you of you, lacks wisdom, you should ask God, listen to this, who gives, gives. He's the one that gives the seed, remember? Who gives generously to all. Is all just Christians? No, no, no. All, every human being that asks for wisdom, God will give them wisdom, and it says he'll give it to them generously without finding fault. It will be given to you. But listen to this. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now picture this. God gave the wisdom, but the heart was closed so they couldn't receive the wisdom. I've read this my whole life thinking if I doubt, God won't give it to me, but that's not the case. The Bible says that if I ask, he will give it to me, but I may not be able to receive it. Isn't that shocking? My heart's closed even when God is trying to give. So that wonderful gift just bounces right off my hard heart, boink, and I didn't get any out, anything out of it. God gave it, but I didn't receive it. So doubt is another thing that closes my heart and doesn't allow me to receive. There's selfish pride. That's a hard heart. Just like remember uh, in that parable, that, that hard ground that the seed falls on and the birds swoop down and pick up the seed. If you've heard that, that parable, we, we talked about it recently. Hard-heartedness, pride, selfishness will keep you from receiving the seed. Will keep you from receiving the seed. We're going to talk about what the seed is here in just a second. Living in willful sin, saying, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to live this way anyways. Well, that's going to stop you. And I've got to give you all kinds of scriptures. In fact, in our reading for this week, I encourage you'll find almost all of these that I'm mentioning in the book of James in chapter 4, and it's part of our reading. All right, so I'm not going to read all the scriptures because of time. But rebellious anger will shut your heart and keep it from receiving from God rebellious anger. Have you ever been rebelliously angry at God? I have <laughs> many times, but you know what? I try not to stay that way. I try not to stay that way. If you get mad at God, go ahead and vent and get over it because it'll shut your heart from receiving from the Lord. All right. An attraction to this world can can totally distract you. If you love the things of this world, your heart shut automatically to the Lord because you're just not even, you don't have an appetite for God. You have an appetite for the world, you don't have an appetite for God. It shuts your heart down. 
All right, negativity. I have to mention this. Negativity. Oh, I'm never going to mount a hill of beans. I'm a loser. I have no abilities. I, I, I'll never conquer my addiction. I can't. I won't. I'll never. Blah, blah, blah. That's negativity. And that will shut your heart to the Lord. Don't call that humility. That's negativity. And the opposite of that is faith and hope. Faith and hope. God will do it. God will do it. God has done it in the past. He'll do it again. I'm hopeful in the Lord my God. I'm full of faith in the Lord my God. And when I'm, I'm that way, my heart just opens right up to the Lord because I'm full of faith and full of hope. All right? So one thing is to know how not to close it. And it's another thing to know how to open it. <laughs> All right? We've talked about the things to do not to do. Now let's talk about what you can do and what you should do. And I've read this scripture many times. It's my scripture of the year for me personally. So I have to share it with you because it's what's gotten me through this year. And it's in, First Corinthians, in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. How do you open your heart to the Lord? You pay attention to God. You connect to God. All day long. And you say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can pay attention to God all day long. I've had good days and I've had bad days, but I've done it before. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Pay attention to God. Set your heart on things above. Set your what things, Steve? Set your heart on Jesus. He's your brother. He's your master, your savior, your Lord. Just think about Jesus. Think about the things he's done for you. Think about his love. Think about his power. Think about the word. There's all kind. Of, think about creation. All of these things are setting your heart on things above. That's how you open your heart to the Lord. And I'll tell you this. I think Linda mentioned this last Sunday night, really ministered to me. She, she was mentioning that repentance in the amplified version, it's, it's mentioned. That means change your thinking. Repentance means change the way that you think. So I repent and I say, I'm going to start thinking differently. I'm going to, instead of thinking negative thoughts, I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to change my thinking. Instead of living in sin, I'm going to start thinking about righteous things. I'm going to turn my brain around and I'm going to change my thinking. And that's how we open our heart is by changing our thinking changing our thinking. So this seed, as I've mentioned, comes from an outside source. And if you look at John 3.27, John the Baptist replies and says something very profound. He says, a person can receive only what's given to them from heaven. A person can only receive what's given to them from heaven. All right. That means I could go out and apply for a thousand and one jobs, but if heaven hasn't given me those jobs, I ain't getting them. All right. I could go out if I were not married and date a thousand women and not marry a single one of them because God says none of them are for you. I've got one specific woman for you. Thank God I already met her. We're married. Thank the Lord. I've got one for you. All right. And so John says, hey, I can only receive what comes from heaven. All right. So stop looking so hard. Stop looking so hard. And start setting your heart on heaven so that God can give you the perfect thing that you're looking. Stop trying to make things work yourself. 
A man, a woman can only receive what comes to them from heaven, praise God. So if I just pay attention to God, I'd get what I need a lot quicker and start shopping around and figuring things out for myself. That seed is what comes from heaven, and it comes to me not in plant form. He didn't go ahead and give me a a 200-foot oak. No, he gives me the seed for an oak. He gives me the seed for an oak. We always want, God, my answered prayer is healing for so-and-so. Well, that's the full-blown plant. Let's take the steps here first and say, I want the seed first. Then it grows, and then it gives fruit, and it turns out the way that it's supposed to be. All right? So what is the seed? It's the word of God in the form of a promise, a message, or the truth, and probably all three of them. What's the seed that God's trying to give you when you're praying for something? It's a message, it's the truth, or it's a promise. That's what you're looking for. Stop looking for the visible manifestation of some miracle and start looking for the word of God about what he's going to do in that situation. That's what you're looking for. I could give an example, but I just don't have enough time. Um, but God did that to me. <laughs> All right, Jesse, I'll give the example. All right. I, man, I'll tell you, yeah, Linda's been trying this for months, and you're, you're getting it to work now, right? Um, God showed me how much he loved me <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago. And it was that vision that I saw of God was going to put something inside of me. I didn't know what it was, and a couple of weeks later, he showed me that he loves me. <laughs> now, we all can say, we're Christians, yeah, God loves me, but I get it now. Like, I really, really get it. John was the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, Peter was the disciple that Jesus loved too, but Peter didn't tout that. He didn't brag about it. But John, the disciple of Jesus, said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And he believed it. Lisa, do you believe that God loves you? (laughs) Amen. Believe it more. All right, so God dropped that seed of love and no longer did it go over me. It landed deep down inside of my heart. And I feel loved. I feel invincible right now because I know my God loves me. My fear level has gone way down because his perfect love casts out all fear. And I've studied in the Bible, it says he pours his love into our hearts We don't just want it poured over us. We want it poured in us. So I've opened my heart, and God has poured his love into my heart. And that's my example. It's seed. It's a seed that plopped right in. I can't wait to see this thing grow. I'm just excited about the seed right now. I can't wait to see his love grow up in me into a massive, mammoth, powerful plant, so to speak, and bear unbelievable fruit. I can't wait. That's my example. Look at this. This just puts it all into perspective. James 1.21. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do you hear that? Humbly accept. What does that mean? Open your heart and receive what God has for you. Open it up. Refuse the things that close your heart. Accept what? The word of God. What's that? The promise, the message, the truth. All right? It, the, the word, what? 
planted in you. To be planted, to have something planted in you is to receive. Praise God. So God gives, but we just haven't learned how to receive. Look at this in Psalms 84, 11. It says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. Aaron, that's for you, man. Does that mean you're perfect? No. What does it mean to walk uprightly? Well, in one version, it says to walk with integrity. Integrity. And David said, you know what? Treat me according to my integrity. And I've always thought, David, are you out of your mind? You messed around with Bathsheba, all right? You had an illegitimate son. You killed the, the husband of the wife that you were messing around with. Yeah, he totally, I mean, deal with me according to my integrity? You're asking me to get my head chopped off if you pray that way. But as I studied that scripture and David saying, deal with me according to my integrity means deal with me according to the way you've built me up, God. You've built me in a certain fashion and I might only have the foundation built at this point. Deal with me according to the place where I'm at in my life. And so God's building each of us Ask him, deal with me according to my integrity. But coming back to this verse, God does not withhold anything from a person who's walking in integrity, walking according to the way that God has built them up. Just you know, deal with me to the place. I may not be a super Christian, but you know what? I'm a novice Christian. Deal with me according to the way a novice Christian would be dealt with. That's what that scripture is saying. God won't withhold anything. That's a promise. So, finishing up here. <laughs> um, here's, a, here's a vital part to receiving, to opening your heart to receiving, and it's simple this, simply this. Ask. Ask. How, how can I get that seed to be dropped down into my heart? Ask. Ask. It says here, everyone who asks, receives. Amen. How's your asking life been lately? Have you asked God much? All right. Ask and you will receive. And then the planting and the growth can begin to happen. But it doesn't start until we ask. You know why we don't ask? We don't feel worthy. But that's not what Jesus said. It's not about worthiness, whether you ask or you not. You ask boldly whether you deserve it or not. Because none of us deserve it to begin with. Jesus already knew that. He said, ask and you'll receive. Here's another in James 4, 2. It says, you have not because you haven't asked. You haven't received because you haven't even asked God. In Matthew 21, 22, it says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. How do you receive? How do you open your heart to the Lord? You start asking in the name of Jesus. Just ask. And so I was wondering, well, God, I can count dozens of times when you did something for me and I didn't ask for squat. You know, I just received, you know, just God gave it to me and I didn't even ask for it. I didn't even think to ask it. And I was thinking about that this week and the Lord just showed me, have a lifestyle of asking God. He'll give you more than you ask for. He'll give you abundantly above and beyond. He'll pour out in your lap more than you could ever contain. But develop a lifestyle of asking God, not begging God. Big difference. Ask like a king's kid. Does a king's kid come into his 
throne room and say, God, please stop begging and start just asking like who you are. You're a child of the king. Start acting like a child of the king. So develop a lifestyle of asking God. And what are you going to receive? Let me remind you. You're not going to receive the oak full-blown, built, and grown. You're going to receive a seed. You're going to receive a message. You're going to receive a promise. You're going to receive the truth. And that seed is going to plant in you. You're going to incubate the promise of God until it grows up to be what you need it to be. Some growth happens like that. Some growth happens slowly, but if it's in you, that's where you start. So open your heart. Receive the seed in your heart so that it can grow and bear fruit. Look at this. This is amazing. In in Amos 3.7, it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans, that's his seed, to his servants, the prophets. And that's just how God works. He... There may not be a single solitary event in history that's ever happened before God first showed it to someone and they asked God, God, do your will. All right? So that seed is God showing you in advance of what he's going to do because he wants you to have faith in what his word is. He wants you to have faith. He wants to release faith in your life. So this is how the kingdom of heaven works in this minor, not minor, but small example. Here's a spiritual checklist that we've gone through. Are you closing your heart to God? Is that why things aren't happening in and around you? Do you even have a seed in you? Remembering that condemnation and doubt and fear and negativity and sin, all of those things just shut your heart tight. All right, so that's checklist number one. Secondly, Have you opened your heart to God by setting your heart on heavenly things and saying, I am going to, you know, if it hairlips the devil, I'm going to think on the Lord today. (laughs) And, And that's on Wednesday. Let me tell you, Wednesday, it says, consciously open your heart to God throughout the day by paying attention to him. Change your way of thinking today. Change the way you think today. You're going to have one day where this is just all you do this week. This is all you do. You open your heart to the Lord. So that's item number two. Number three, do you realize that God always, um, excuse me, do you realize that God always gives, but you must learn to receive? God always gives. If you ask him, he gives it to you, undoubtedly, but you may not necessarily receive it. All right, so realize that. Number four is are you looking for a full-blown answer? Are you looking for the spiritual seed? And I challenge you, start looking for the spiritual seed instead of, what's easier to, to pray? Let's say you're praying for somebody who's sick. What's easier to pray that they be healed or to pray, God, send me a promise of their healing? Send me a promise of their healing. Because you can believe the promise, but it's so hard to be constantly looking with your physical eyes for an answer to prayer. But if you're looking for a spiritual seed, your faith will go through the ceiling. And then lastly, are you forming a habit of asking God to meet all your needs and all your wants? Praise God. Not just your needs. God said, he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Praise God. He doesn't just want to give you your needs. He wants to bless you above and beyond. And I'll end with a scripture right here in Psalms 24, 7. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. He wants to come in. He wants to plant something in you. Who is the king of glory? 
the king strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your, your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. Praise God. Lord, we just come before you. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would release faith in every single person in this room. Lord, release faith. God, your word says that faith, you're actually the source of faith. And the fact that you're the source of faith means it's your word that instill and sparks faith in our lives, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, today, in the name of Jesus... I don't do it on my own. I do this in the name of Jesus. Release faith in every single person that can hear my voice today. Release faith, the gift of faith. Lord, that they would learn, that we would learn, that I would learn to open our hearts and not to allow our hearts to be shut. Lord, by all these things that we've mentioned, condemnation, fear, negativity, sin. Lord, help us to open our hearts by paying attention to you all day long. Open our hearts, Lord. And when we do that, we give you the opportunity to place your wonderful divine seeds in our life, Lord, which can spring up into powerful, awesome spiritual plants that bear incredible spiritual fruit, Lord Jesus. We praise you, God, for it. In your name I pray these things. Amen.